Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. on it all of them recently so um i thought today i will celebrate and do just that um we're still in lockdown um well as it's easing uh and this is another podcast via the magic of zoom with my friend dave chase from mates hello it still impresses me that you strum live (laughs) that scared me the first time i just presumed it was pre-recorded no, no. I, I find uh, it's quite a nice little icebreaker. You know, like people yeah. always start laughing and that, and it, it kind of sets the tone for it being fairly light-hearted. Although, well, I think I think it sets the tone, and it's an icebreaker because you're you go and sit with some strangers, and then suddenly everyone makes weird noises and plays a guitar at you, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's definitely settled you or unsettled you. Yeah, I think, uh, especially when I'm kind of going, welcome, I think people then think, well, like, he's not afraid to be an idiot, so then I don't have to. You know, yeah. it, I think <laughs> it kind of works. Uh, yeah, I haven't done it on all of them, but um, I've been messing around my guitar. Like, uh, I came in here about half hour ago, so I've been messing around. I'm hoping to do some music soon. Um, so I've been trying to get like a nice setup going. So... For those who haven't heard our first 53 episodes, where have you been? But uh, within those first 53 episodes, um, Dave came on. Dave here. And um, uh, we just got on really well, didn't we? We've kind of been in touch ever since. And um, yeah, still fell in love a bit. Yeah, we did, didn't we? We have. Mm. We've had very kind of flirty uh, messages back and forth. It's good fun. Just <laughs> and, um, strumming at each other. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and then since then, you asked me if I'd be an ambassador for mates. So whenever anyone sees mouth and manliness uh, on socials and that, there's a little picture on the bottom 
that says mates and it's got the diamond and that on it. I've put it on everything. And Dave, uh, Dave's wearing the shirt now and I had one. I had a picture of mine as well. And um, I know I, it's, I felt really cool about it. I was really pleased. So thank you for asking me. It, it, it's, no, not at it, all. It makes you feel, um, well, it makes me feel uh, kind of validated in a weird way. You know, like it kind of makes it all proper. So <laughs> it, it does, it's strange, isn't it? But it does. Um, and it, it's nice to be able to, you know, like when you're out and about and you're talking about what you do and then you can kind of like steer people towards mates or my black dog. And um, it's just so, it's really nice. It makes me feel really good. Well, the thing is, it's just you have got this massive background in mental health stuff. You know, 53 podcasts already, mm. and your life isn't a podcast. It, you know, this is just where you're talking about it. Yeah. And we need to spread that around. We need to spread, we need your brain. Um, because the more people out there that have got an interest in mental health and can just be there to have a conversation with someone, the better. Um, so, no very happy you know very very happy that you agreed to let us hoover you up hoover me <laughs> up yeah yeah no i'm well pleased about it i love it um, and i like sticking the little logos on all my things it makes me feel good and you have to and if things make you feel good you should do them <laughs> yeah because like i've never won a trophy or anything like that and no. when i was at, when i was in the cubs i used to go to uh, a trophy shop and i'd buy my own trophies and then come home and use a compass to scratch my name in, but um, uh, that's, yeah, I never had anything. So I know what you mean about being validated, having a little badge somewhere. It just means everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. in Cubs, my only badge was because I made a shepherd's pie, and uh, yeah, I think about that quite a lot. The only still badge. Well, you and me are the same. I never, I've never got, um, I've never won a trophy. Um, when I was younger, my sisters were like, they swam for Essex and um, they were like, and they won loads and loads of trophies. And my parents were kind of involved and they used to go and do the timing and that. But at the time, well, for most of my early life, I couldn't, sw I couldn't go in water because I got an ear problem. So I used to see them getting trophies. And uh, I think like it, put this thing in me where I'm like, right, I, I, I won't have anything to do with sport at all now. Everyone's getting trophies and I'm not getting fuck all. And like, it put in this lifelong hate of anything physical, anything sporty, that is. Yeah, I've got one of them. I've got this thing that I don't... Um, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about stuff that I know I can do. Yeah. If it's stuff I can't do and I know I'm never going to be good at it, I just don't bother, like the guitar. I'd love to be able to just pick up a guitar and just do something mad. You know, like when you see someone go, oh, that piano over there in the pub and just yeah. start playing it and all that. I'd love to be able to do that. I can't. I won't ever be any good. I won't have the patience to do it. So I'll just never touch a guitar. It's That's funny. my attitude. Yeah, <laughs> for a long time with me, um, and this has only really changed over the last few years. I used to be like, if I can't do it, then I hate it and I hate you for doing it as well. <laughs> you know, uh, I hate I was, talented people. I, I was such a bitter person. And now, now I'm not. Now I'm like, oh, that's cool, isn't it? Like, how good's that? Someone can do something and like, they're brilliant and they're using their time well. <laughs> you know? Maybe yeah, exactly. And I think, I think similarly, I've got um, the same sort of thing. I know like how a nans, we've mentioned nans a lot before this. Yeah. Um, 
how nans like are really proud of everything oh that boy down the road he rode his bike today without stabilizers and they're like all welling up i'm like that now like i just love people's achievements i absolutely buzz for it um i went to the olympics closing ceremony on my own because i could only get one really? ticket and i just stood there crying my eyes out surrounded by old ladies because they were showing all montages of like who you know people get in their get in their dreams and all this sort of stuff yeah. and I, I went there for the music like to see who was playing and that and um i just stood i, I, I shuffled like half a foot forward and then just cried continuously <laughs> and whilst surrounded by old ladies <laughs> oh, oh. You, I, I, there's been many a time when i've seen a band and spent a lot of it crying like i remember seeing the verve like V festival being at the front and just crying throughout the whole thing. Uh, I think like excessive alcohol um, normally fuels that, but uh, like I can't since I've been on like meds, like you know, properly committed to meds for the last what fucking nearly 15 years. Um, I can't cry. Like, I reckon I've cried. I had one proper meltdown when I cried and cried and cried, and that is about it uh, ever since then. And um, and I kind of miss it, you know. Like it's kind of quite a nice release. It is. It's, it's kind of nice just to start bawling your eyes out. But I used to cry at gigs all the time because it would be like, oh, they're so fucking good. I remember seeing the Killers. My wife was pregnant. I was drinking heavily, uh, and I was just crying all the way through it. And I, I'm like, I don't even, you know, I like them, but I'm not like, a massive fan. What's wrong? Ah, I'm the best <laughs> one. That, Hey, go on, carry on. The best one that I cried, I cried in was uh, presidents of the presidents of the United States of America. I think, yeah, uh, who are quite a fun band. Yeah, they did like peaches, but I, I cried away yeah. through it. Really strange. So uh, I sort of cry. I cry when like I cry when I see someone cry. Um, I'm not like an emotional wreck or anything. I just cry. Um, I cry when I see someone cry. Um, I cry when someone's like amazing at something. So like, see him, I went and saw Prince when he done that residency at the O2. And uh, just, I watched one night, I just, because I saw it about five times, and one night I just watched his drummer. And you know, like when you focus on something and then you can only hear the drummer sort of thing. Yeah. Or you hear, and I was just like, how can you be that good? You know, get excited about that. And then every night he done, um, he done an after show party at Indigo in the O2. And, uh, every night he had a guest at the normal concert. And when you then go to the Indigo afterwards, they just all jam together. And it's normally mainly the guest and just Prince on a guitar or something. And uh, he wanted to do something with Amy Winehouse and when, it was, uh, when he announced the gigs. But it was when she was like at her lowest, um, run, you know, the, the running around London with the blood and you know, all the scratches and all that. And there was just no way at that point she could do anything like that. And she wanted to do it as well. And then uh, the after show party for the last night went into Indigo. There's a big velvet red curtain. And then you just hear Love is a Losing Game on a guitar. Curtain goes up. And there's just Amy Winehouse and really? Prince. And I just stood there and I cried my eyes out, not because of what I was watching, because she'd got her dream, because she'd been doing all this press and, oh, she'd love to do it. And then you see what's happened to her. And I was like, she's got it. She's done it. And I just stood there, cried my eyes out. And right at the end, Prince just lifted his sunglasses up. And she just went, 
cheers and just walked off. And he lifted his sunglasses up and went, that was so beautiful, I shed a tear. I was like, I'm a mess. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, did, um, when I was like younger, I used to buy all of like Prince's films, and I used to watch them over and over and over and over, like Under the Cherry Moon, over and over mm. again. And he's, he comes out with quips like that all the time in those films. He's always kind of coming out with little quips. Uh, I, I was meant to go to that, uh, you know, too, and I had my daughter. And then just like in the, uh, yeah, just before the day I was meant to go, fucking gutted. So I never saw Prince. <laughs> oh, nice. Him. Incredible. And like, I can't remember exactly, I'm going to make the number up, but it was around 350 songs. He just said, me and my band have learnt 350 songs and every night we'll do a different, we'll just decide what we play on the night. And just went for it. And every night I saw him, it was a completely different set list and it's just ridiculous. It was mad. Really, really good. He's, he's um, talented fucker he is. It was my first gig, Prince. I was 14 and I went to see him at Wembley Arena on the... It was um, when Batman came Diamonds. Out. Yeah, oh, right. Weren't anything... Like, was it around the sort of time of Diamonds and Pearls as well? Because I saw one there like that. Uh, it was earlier. Bat uh, what was it? Batman came out. The Batman, yeah. Batman soundtrack. And then... About 89, something like that, 90. yeah. Then Graffiti Bridge and then Diamonds and Pearls, I think. Yeah, because he had a massive cervix as his stage when I saw it. And there was a massive phallus that had a lift in it. And he just went up and down. Or maybe I dreamt this. That might have been your house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just lived in a massive cervix. I just remember being fucking blown away by it and like, I felt different afterwards. You know, like the next day that like, I went to school and I felt different. I felt like I'd experienced something special. Yeah. Um, like you and then like from that moment on, I, I just love seeing bands. Like I, I kind of don't like it as much as I used to because I get like worn, you know, like getting the train up to London, mm. uh, traipsing through London, drinking too much. You know, like, it just wears me out a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> I normally go a lot. I normally go, and I normally go to festivals as well. Yeah, no Reading this year, man. I was going to go to that. Yeah, same year I had tickets for that, for Rage. Yeah. Sunday. I think we were going to go just for that day, me and my mate, because the guy I normally go with, Champion, he was going to go uh, to Bestival as my guest. So that was going to be our festival. But obviously, we're not doing fuck all now. Oh, and then last year we found your stickers, didn't we? Yeah, I know. I kept finding your no, stickers I everywhere. I would have come to meet you. I didn't even realise. Um, <laughs> oh, didn't yeah, know I, it, yeah, I was sticking stickers all over. Mostly stickers on the disabled platforms because we had disabled uh, uh, passes. It was brilliant. That's why I was, I was hanging around there. But music with mental health. Now, I'm really 50-50 with things in that they always say... You know, if I woke you up and played, if you're hungover and I woke you up and started playing Club Tropicana, right, you are not going to be skipping around like you are at a wedding, yeah? You're just going to be, this isn't working. This this song is not working for me. At seven o'clock in the morning with a hangover, um, it means nothing, yeah? And and that's a good sort of a time and a place for things, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's... That sort of rubbish is great, uh, a family wedding or a, a rubbish pub in Greece or something like that. Yeah. Um, time and a place for upbeat things. Um, but I find a little bit of danger with 
it's all very nice having relaxing music and chilling out and i put like a b for chill out type things on or lovely acoustic thing like arctic monkey acoustics type stuff that sort of stuff but it's so easy to go into sad music yeah and i think i think the expression is something along the lines of when you're happy you hear the music and when you're sad you understand the lyrics oh, that's, and, a that's a good quote because yeah, no, it's funny you say that because um, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think sometimes, like, you can listen to music and it, it kind of puts you, like, if I'm feeling low, then it will make me feel worse. And then, like, you indulge your lowness. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's when you're it's it. become destructive, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like you're feeding it. And yeah. your understanding, you're not appreciating a beautiful song, you're understanding why they wrote it and how they felt at that time, which is an amazing thing about music to be actually unlocking these things. And, and uh, I was driving back from Heathrow one day and it was like stupid o'clock in the morning. And I just banged on George Michael's Symphonica, which is like his live tour with a full symphony orchestra. And uh, it was probably like a year after he died and it was just all lovely, beautiful songs. And you could just hear, you know, all the beautiful, the incredible lyrics and that. And then I just, I cried all the way home. Like I was just driving home, tears pouring out of my eyes. And I was like, poor George, you know, I'm genuinely thinking like all these years, we've listened to these songs, we've listened to these lyrics. And with him, for example, um, when we now stepped away and we look back and it's like, there was a documentary on just after he died, his manager is like his best mate. And uh, he finished it. And it was him giving his story of his career. And when you watch it and think anxiety and depression, and you're like, oh, that's why he sued Sony. Oh, that's why, because he didn't, he had such terrible anxiety, he couldn't get back on stage after that. You know, after his first solo tour, he was destroyed. And when he stepped off, he just said, I thought, how would I ever get back to that? And then gets into the drugs, gets into um, his mum dying, gets into just before he'd done that Freddie Mercury tribute gig, he'd just found out his partner, like his first proper partner had um, got HIV and he was waiting for his test to come back. And then he had to go out and sing, give me somebody to love, you know, for Queen and uh, an AIDS benefit thing. So, and you watch all that and you're like, Oh, we just laughed at him when he'd fall asleep and crash into a photographer's. But actually, that's your friend that you've been trying to help. Um, and when you get that, you know, you don't know what they're doing out there, what self-destructive thing they're doing uh, because of their depression they've got into and their anxiety. They've got into the, the, these drugs and drink and on this downward spiral and him crashing into falling asleep at Marble Arch, crashing into that that's our friend you know not him but that's no different to our friend who's really struggling and what have we done as a, a, a place we've just laughed at him yeah and we've like called him a druggie and laughed at him yeah and it's like he's you know he's self-medicating uh yeah. and he you I think there's this kind of subconscious that when, when you are really, really, really low and things are up, like you're feeling fucked up, you, um, you almost 
without really knowing it, you put yourself in those kind of situations. You put yourself in harm's way because yeah. you're a bit when you're thinking, fuck it, I don't care if it kills me, but I haven't got the balls to kill myself. So mm. you're like, well, fuck it, if I crash and die. But also a bit of somebody fucking help me. Somebody Absolutely. else. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, what more can I do? without actually just spilling the beans. But if you just spill the beans, then the press will tear him up. You know, yeah, exactly. Crazy. And you you look back and he was the whipping boy for the press. Yeah. He was someone that, oh, let's find everything we can about. But he, you know, he didn't help himself by um, fueling that publicly. Um, he doesn't need to talk about his mental health. You know, it's, that's his private, you know, it'd be great if he did. But um, that this last thing, was that sort of unlocking it and you watch it and you're just like so listening to the songs after that and knowing now thinking mental health and listening to the, and knowing what he's had um like his all the ups and downs and you listen to it and you're like he's told us this years ago we've but now it was just words at the time but now we know what it means we're actually sort of oh we're too late for it do you know what I mean? And that could be with anyone, any yeah, pop yeah, no, star, it doesn't musician. Mean, it's not the fact that he's famous. Like that could be anyone. Yeah, uh, they, they, those songs were his letters, telling us what he was going through. Um, I've been uh, like since uh, lockdown. Cause I've been in my car a lot. I've been kind of re-listening to a lot of my favourite things. I've been re-listening to a lot of uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And, like they're one of my favourite bands. And um, and I think over the last few years, you know, as we get more access to things on YouTube and that, you see like lots of interviews with Billy Corgan and him saying like, you know, he was emotionally abused and that kind of thing as a kid. And now when I hear his, when I listen to, I hear the lyrics much more now. Um, and I, and I, I'm like, fuck it, I can hear me, you know? And I, I never really yeah. even noticed it before. At one point, I had to kind of switch it off and put something lighter on because I'm like, shit. Like, he's actually saying, like, you know, I want to die, I want to die, I'm fucking happy. And, and I, I guess I kind of knew that was, I knew there was an element of that, but I never really kind of took it in. It's really strange. So it's, and and it's, it's like we, how can you put it? You know, mental ill health has not just appeared. Mental ill health in the last four years has massively um, become more op open and, and uh, there's more out there to more examples of things and the stigmas absolutely go in the right way. But when you listen to things like that, that is exactly that, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, what we're talking like, 96 for some of their stuff. Yeah. And... You know, listening to that, exactly as you say, they're telling us what they were going through at the time, but nobody knew to interpret it at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You could see it like that. You'd have thought I'd have been able to interpret it. And there, like, there, there'd be snippets that, like, of like lyrics that kind of sit with me. I never really used to listen to lyrics. I really but then could that be, could that be that when you was a teenager listening to it, you had that connection and you knew that it meant something to you and you knew that his lyrics meant something, but in yourself, you still didn't know that much about mental health, health at the time. And you just knew that he understood you and what he was writing worked with you. Yeah. That makes sense. 
and further down the line, you sort of maybe interpret that as, ah, oh, that's why. Like, he no, was going I, through. No, you, you're completely right. That's completely it. Because I think what's happened is I've learned, like now I can look back on my life and think, well, I was doing that then and I was doing that then, but I didn't know at the time. And now I understand yeah. my own mental health more. I can make sense of it, which means I can understand what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Course. Yeah, and the same with Nirvana, isn't it? You know, yeah. uh, and so much that's there that it'd be interesting to know that in that generation, did other people understand it at the time who were going through the same thing that were older than we were at that time? Does that make sense? Yeah. Have we yeah. just caught up? I think we've just caught up, but I think you're right. Um, yeah, I wonder if people did. I mean, people. Must have because people were obsessed with like Kurt Cobain, and um, it, you know, even before he died. But obviously, once he died, he's like a poster child for you know self-loathing. But it's weird because that happens, um, and it, you'd think of something something so monumental as him shooting himself, being the biggest star on the planet, clearly not comfortable with his fame. Um, you'd think that that might open the door for mental health a little bit, but it really did. Being a catalyst for, right, look what's happened now. If that happened now, um, Caroline Flack, for example, you know, nowhere near that level, but the time and the place is right in our country at the moment, um, luckily, for people to take these things on board. But unfortunately, that was the time and the place for the media at that time, uh, the Caroline Flack when was that? A couple of months, of three or four months ago now? Um, it was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, but unfortunately, the media has a circle. The, me- the media has. We know that during this year, there's going to be, someone's going to go on, the media are going to love poking, you know, doing a bit of a racist thing. They, there's going to be a paedophilia type thing. Mm. They're going to have a go at the government. They're going to have a go at anyone in government. They're going to have a go. And, then it'll just keep going round. Um, at that time, well, even with George Michael, now, you know, after, it was just, oh, the troubled pop star died. But even with that and releasing that, that documentary, that still hasn't widely been like, oh, well, he's obviously been, he threw himself, you know, he threw himself out of a Range Rover on the M1. You know, and that, the press didn't actually go on too much about that, but you don't fall out of a Range Rover on the M1. Why would someone do that? They're clearly not very. They're not yeah. well. Exactly, and uh, and even Range Rover said, you know, you you can't. It doesn't just happen. It, it you have to physically make yourself do that, and all the w- witnesses that were behind him and managed not to hit him on there, you know. It's just like the the press didn't want to sort of know about that sort of thing. We'll just leave that. We don't want. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's not sensational, is it? It's like I oh, will just say he's a bit of a nutter. He's a yeah. Bit of a nutter. Oh, actually, if we now or if we now go on about mental health, that's going to make us look really bad for what we've done to him for the last ten years. Yeah, and it don't sell. Mental health no. don't sell. You know, it's not very uh, glamorous. It's just dark and horrible, and people don't generally want to know about it. 
just don't sell. It was funny. I was um, like sharing things on Twitter. I've kind of started using Twitter again. And um, and then I was pulling up, doing the hashtags, and I'm really surprised it comes up with how many people are like trending on like the mental health, like Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, and the numbers are really, really quite low compared to much more even mundane things. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, oh, this week you'd think there'd be a lot of people, but I'm really surprised. No, people aren't really that interested. It's like, And that's the trouble. We can often think that because it's something we talk about all the time and because it occupies our time a lot of the time, um, that everyone's talking about it as well. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of our friends on Facebook and things like that are people we've met like ourselves yeah. through mental health things. So although it's a, a heavy, big topic that's always on every day with me, um, actually in the real world, there might not be that many people talking about it. Yeah. You know? I and, and I suppose that would be the same if we, you and I were in, in the Dalmatian um, Appreciation Club, you know? we're going to see a load of posts about this Dalmatian and my Dalmatian's got a bow in its hair and all this sort of stuff. And we'll presume, oh, everyone knows about Dalmatians. Yeah. Um, but actually in the real world, they might not. That's very true, mate. I think you're right. You think, yeah, as I say, it's not really. I think it's a fascinating topic anyway because it's like about what makes people tick. And like, it's about people and people are the most interesting thing in the world. Absolutely. And... Uh, and so I find it fascinating. Um, plus, it all, you know, talking to other people about it kind of uh, helps me to understand me as well. So it's kind of self-serving. But, um, yeah, as you say, it's not glamorous and it's not particularly fun. <laughs> but, unfortunately, it's, I see it that, and this is something I always say when we do presentations and things, it's, um, how can you put it? We don't get told at school about mental health. We don't get told after leaving school about mental health. So one of the reasons that mental ill health is the thing that we heal first, because as I said last time, the problem with mental health compared to physical health is it tends to be understood that there's a problem and we start reacting to it once it's so far down the line that actually it's quite a big problem now. Like, the example I think I might have said before was if you get a twinge, um, not that sort, if you get a twinge while you're playing football in your leg, you know, oh, hang on, I need to take it a bit easier. I need to, oh, it's an old injury. I know need to go or your back or whatever. I need to go and um, just sort of settle down a bit and rest it. With mental health, if you don't know those signs, you just ignore it and put it down to, oh, it's, I just feel down at the moment, down, down, down. And then it reaches the point Whereas that was a physical thing, you're running around with a broken leg on that football pitch. Yeah. And you're like, oh, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, it happened because you haven't intercepted it before it got to that point. And that's a massive thing that you still aren't having documentaries on telly about. Here's an, you know, Mental Health Awareness Week. Here's an introduction to depression. Here's, here's a programme to educate you about it. Here's some stats. Here's what symptoms here's how to recognize those symptoms here's ways of living with it here's ways of managing it we don't get told that um unless there's someone like ourselves yeah. telling you or you are struggling through something yourself or with a partner or something and 
you're having to educate yourself because you're trying to help that person, yeah. uh, which is how I sort of got in, involved. And I think with the lockdown as well, what we did, you know, so who knows what, what was going to happen. But what we did was, um, obviously, we uh, mates, we had to stop doing our live meetup things, which are um, really, really useful because like our tagline, Conversations Change Lives, is I do genuinely think that is the start to everything. That is something that can be such a massive relief for people just to start talking. Um, you know, you get the pressure cooker equivalent uh, example of your head or you get the bucket equivalent of your head. And if you don't let stuff out, it'll overflow. Yeah. And your coping mechanisms are the tap at the bottom and that's drugs, smoking, uh, doing this, doing that, or just actually talking. And all of those things, you know, uh, a coping mechanism to empty your head and nothing is better than just talking and physically thinking everything I'm saying is relieving some pressure out of my head. And, you know, I've had so many conversations now where um, two and a half years into this and it's so refreshing just to sort of see someone have a chat and then, you know, it's not going to solve everything, but it might be the first time they've actually just felt like they can just say everything that they want to say and get it all out in the open. And then when it's out in the open, we can work on, okay, what do we need to do with that? then? How can we deal with that? Let's put that in an order. Let's, Let's try and yeah, talk about all the different things. So with lockdown, um, it was actually an example of my view was going to be, so talking about it like it's all finished, obviously it ain't, but um, my view was I think we're going to have people that are already suffering very badly, suffering even worse. We're going to have people who are suffering already but go into work and sit in an office and talk to other people as their only way of getting things off their cheese it's really helping them already and they don't even realize the people that are around them don't realize yeah. that they're helping yeah, that's but really they are. yeah we're going to lose that but then equally we're going to get all these new problems because of the anxiety caused by the uncertainty and the risk and then we're going to have more grief because of the amount of people who are going to lose people or be worried about their partner that's got it or all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, what was your, how did you think at the beginning of this? How, I, I how thought, what was your alarm bells if you like? Well, I, I was kind of from the point that there'll be, um, it's going to be a proper shower of shit. I thought, Initially, I was like, it's going to be nothing. And then when it was when they started saying, right, we're going to get locked down, um, I thought it would get... That people would, like, they'd be, like, really, really... There'd be a mental health crisis, I thought. You know, all of those things that you just said, like, it would be really bad. Um, but then the reality of it is that it's pretty varied. Like you were saying earlier, it's like... Um, Sometimes when you're kind of forced into a position, you can cope better than you than you than you thought you could, you know. Mm. And I think that's kind of been my experience of it. And with the people I've spoken to, most people are like, "Yeah, I'm surprised," but you know, actually, that the, some of the positives are kind of outweighing 
something negative. Exactly. Um, and, and that's something... Balancing out. We've been quite, you know, trying hard. Well, it first happened with me when I, went, I was going to Barcelona. And it's when the foot lockdown is about two weeks before our lockdown happened. And parts of Spain were already locked down. Like only certain towns. There was about four towns that were locked down. But the rest of it, almost like no figure, no coronavirus figures, blah, blah, blah. So we left it right up to the day. I'm like, no, it's all, it's all safe. It's still saying you can fly there. We looked at the figures for that area. So Barcelona, it's a ridiculous amount of people live there. But there was like 10 cases and they were um, in the hospital. Um, So we thought, right, okay, we'll fly out there. We're only going there for two days anyway. We'll be back before anything kicks off. We got out there, went straight out that night. Great. Next morning, woke up, went to walk down like the middle of Barcelona and everything was shut. I'm like, "Ah, really? What's Ah, happened here? And uh, we're like, what? <laughs> oh, sorry, we had a really good night the night before. Um, but, like, so we said, like, well, what's happened? And it wasn't an official, well, it wasn't a full lockdown. It was the government had said, right, everywhere, just uh, we're going to prepare yourself today to sort of shut down. We're going to make an announcement tonight. Um, so everything was just... There was uh, supermarkets were open, pharmacies were open, and a, f- a few things like that. So we got down to the beach, got some beers, and um, just sat there and worked out, right, okay, do we try and fly home today? Couldn't fly home. Um, we are flying home the next day. So we went back to the hotel. It's a great place. And we watched their prime minister or president, yeah, whatever he is, um, do his speech about the lockdown. And it was a full lockdown, as in, you are not allowed to leave your house unless you're going to a supermarket or a pharmacy. Really? That is it. Or a doctor's appointment. So we were on the main road that runs straight from the airport through the top of Barcelona. Yeah. And as soon as they made the announcement, the next day, nothing. The road was completely empty. And our hotel, where the pool was on the roof, um, it backed onto everyone's like flats and stuff. And everyone was just doing as they're supposed to do, sitting on that. So we flew home that, that next day. And it, it was really, I'm really glad we did it because it made me think if I hadn't been there and seen and experienced how somewhere like Barcelona can just get locked down like that and everyone does it, I came home and was like, right, if they're talking about what they're talking about, that we might start having restrictions. Yeah. We need to plan for it now because it is going to happen like that. So straight away with mates, we, we planned, right, okay, what can we do instead of the live things? What do we need to change? What do we need? To, so we, before we even had the lockdown, we planned what we could give out instead. And one of those things was like a Facebook Live every night. Because yeah, you've been really proactive on that. I'm really impressed. Well, we don't just want to make sure that we don't just like drop everyone you know people need us more than ever at the moment so we thought okay well let's do it just after the government announcements which were coming out each day and changing massively every day you know today we are shutting schools tomorrow the next day it was we are shutting this we're shutting that pubs need to shut today you know that's how it was done yeah so we then went out live each day 
with, for example, when the school shut, we've got Kate on, she's one of our ambassadors and she's uh, got her own children's, uh, uh, what do you call it, youth coaching company. She's worked for Essex County Council for like 15 years working with vulnerable children and things like that. So we thought, like, let's get her on and let's get tips from her about homeschooling, about having kids at home. And we luckily, because of the amount of different diversity we've got with our ambassadors, uh, we managed to get the right people in each day um, just to deal with what's just cropped up. Let's interpret it not like the press do. Let's say exactly what they've just said on .gov.uk. Let's read that for ourselves and let's, let's balance this out. And it was, as you say, positive things let's make the opportunity to we're going to spend time at home with people that we've never had the opportunity to do um let's actually plan that let's what what can we do so we're not bored what can we do about this what can we do about and it was just managing people's expectations showing it's not all going to be doom and gloom but equally giving the respect and to, to people that aren't going to be able to cope um and offer practical tips for that and you know manage it like that really so yeah um it's been weird like i thought we're going to get a lot more anxiety we've got a lot of people actually because they haven't got a commute now what well, you're grey aren't you and you work in chelsea so what's that been like for you dropping the commute i my i do think it has massively improved my quality of life and like the Sometimes an hour to get there, sometimes an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to get home. Uh, it means like I'm always home by like five and I have more time with my kids. I have more time to do the things I like, I like doing, like podcasts, without it um, becoming a chore. You know, like when you're like rushing around. I haven't had to yeah. rush around for anything. And um, it's improved my quality of life. It really has. Like, um, in many ways, I don't. I was, it was funny because I was saying to my wife uh, just the other week, like, I feel really happy. I can't remember being this happy. Uh, like, mentally, mu- I'm, mentally, I'm much more well than I've ever been. And uh, I, partly it's because it has given me time to kind of invest in doing this. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it, for me, it took away, suddenly there was a massive load of stress just went, just disappeared overnight. Uh, like feeling like um, oh we have to do something with the kids at the weekend we can't sit around all the time like you know we have to do we have to be doing Um, suddenly it was like no well we can't so we're going to be indoors what can we do indoors like let's make a bit of a it's almost like stripping it down stripping it down and fitting in what you're allowed to do and what you can do rather than what you feel you have to and cutting out all the shit that you don't have to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is really nice. That has been lovely. And and one of the things, like shops, for example, at a weekend, I've probably oh, I've got nothing to do. Well, I've always got something to do, but it'll just be, oh, I'll go around this retail part, I'll go to that retail part, I'll take my mum to this shop. And now that actually things are back down to you only go somewhere if you need something, and that, you know, not necessarily the restrictions, but because you don't want to stand in a queue and you don't want to put yourself in that situation. It's actually sort of, I don't need to go back into 
Debenhams. I don't need to go to these places. Um, yeah, that um, like I, I I often kind of find myself feeling miserable about the way that we tend to like people tend to be. You know, like um, at the weekends you go to the shops. It's like. Yeah. Why'd you go to the shops? Because <laughs> yeah, it, it, oh, it gives me something to do. I'm going to do it. You know. You know. Yeah, well, actually, if I didn't do that, yeah, or if I, I mean, just did it on the way home and grabbed it, I've got my whole weekend free. Yeah. So I found like just that, like that kind of taking away that desperate need to consume and that kind of thing. Uh, we've kind of just stepped off of the rat race for a little bit, and. Um, and I think it's quite nice. I know that people are struggling with it, but from my point of view, it's been, it's like I've had a break from the yeah. shit the world throws and it's a, it's a break that you can never actually, you couldn't ever have. No. Because normally, if you're off work this long, you're ill. Yeah. And which means you can't do anything that you want to be doing it's not fun it's not it's not good time being off it's you're ill um or you're on holiday in another country or in england but you're doing stuff or you're you've took a week off to redecorate or something whereas actually having this time just to do nothing and the walking thing you know the exercise in your area um i presume thurrock websites uh, thurrock council's website will have it but for essex and I say it like that because Forrock's a unitary authority, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But for the rest of Essex, except for South End, if you go on Essex County Council's website, there's public right-of-ways, and it's all these little alleyways that you see as you walk down your street. But if you go on there and look at an interactive map of like where they go, within seconds, minutes, you're out in the middle of the countryside, and it's somewhere you'd never normally walk. But because you're trying to sort of, oh, I've got to stay near where I live. I've got to do that originally, you know, I've got, to, I've got to walk somewhere. People are discovering all of these places that they didn't know were on their doorstep. And I really genuinely am loving seeing um, all the photos of people going on these walks. Oh, look, we found these little horses. We found this. Mm. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, it, and Pete, one of my friends she put up earlier, um, if I've just bought a bike, and like she was saying to one of her friends, and you've just started, what is it? Oh, gardening. And you've just started gardening. Does that now mean we're old ladies? You know, um, because they should, they're normally just drunk or hung over. But, uh, people are massively getting skills and people are getting crafts and people are getting hobbies again. Yeah, I mean, like just for me, I've, I've had time. Like we kind of paused the podcast, but it gave me time, um, plenty of time to learn how to use a computer. Like, I've got a computer, learn how to do it, learn how to record, uh, learn how to do everything I need to do. I wouldn't have had time to do that because I've got yeah. no kids. Um, and, and I've learned all these new skills and it's made me feel really good about myself because it's like, you know, just even that idea that, oh, you know, I can do things, you know, there's, a, you know, you put up a wall, but you kind of step through the wall and then you feel great. And um, so I've just been achieving constantly uh, and that's all just fed into me feeling much better about myself. But uh, part of that is because, yeah, we've had this space and time to do it. But if you notice, like, um, like I've got a dog, so I take my dog out and people are just generally much more civil. You know, like, yeah. 
people yeah. seem to be, you know, they'll smile, you'll say all right, because you're all in the same And bubble. you've got that smile of, you've got that, oh, we're in the lockdown smile, where it's like, yeah. you walk past someone and just go, like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. oh, yeah, careful we don't all die. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a bit of that. It's one of, it's one of the most upbeat pandemics I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a funny old thing, but um, yeah, I kind of refuse to. I know I, like, I've known people who lost people, um, and you know that's fucking awful. You know, there's no getting away from that. But I, I just like refuse to kind of get stuck in this mire of negativity about it. Right, like, exactly that. Individuals, you do not spend your day normally thinking. Uh, right, how can I, let's, let's phrase this nicely. If someone's lost someone, you as a friend will support them and you'll do anything you can to help them uh, with their journey through grief. Yeah? yeah? Pandemic or no pandemic. Yeah. But you don't walk around sad every single day because of that person's loss. And that sounds really harsh. Yeah, it's true. You do, if it's someone close to you, you worry about them. You worry about their loss, yeah? You don't constantly feel down or feel guilty about not feeling, about not feeling down all the time. So in this pandemic, yes, if an individual that's friends with us, yes, as a, as a nation, it's terrible. Yes, it's horrible. But for our own mental health, positive mental health, if we just sat there and went over those numbers in our head every day it's almost like we're giving ourselves false grief because we as an individual haven't lost someone let's say those that have we would act exactly the same way as if they'd lost someone and it wasn't a pandemic does that make sense yeah so i know it can feel guilty and and i've often sort of stopped and looked and thought actually yeah ve day celebrations looking at everyone doing uh congas down the street and that if someone's just lost someone to this it's really um insulting but if we weren't in a pandemic and we had the royal wedding and we have in a street party and someone's just died of cancer we wouldn't consider halting all of that because of that death would we no and it's about managing our expectations um uh, in this situation um, it is fine to feel happy um, some people equally are going to be having an absolutely horrible time people who as I say people that are normally used to going into an office and that's their that's their step to um, manage their mental health they're, they're getting a bit of interaction and that's their happy place um, what's happening with quizzes and online stuff like our office for example uh, obviously we're working from home um but we have tea breaks set up um on on uh team so like zoom um we have tea breaks set up throughout the day that we all go on at the same time put the cameras on and we it's just all sit around a cup of tea yeah yeah and it's encouraged we have also we have social nights on there so our company huh that's a progressive workplace, mate. Wow. Yeah, and that's what we want. We want people to be doing things like that. On a Friday afternoon, a Friday at the end of work, finish work, and people are having drinks on there, like they're going down the pub after work. Um, the company are happy to let 
um, us use the computers for it as long as you know you're very black and white you've finished work for the day but if you want to use the software to talk to each other we want you to get that connection back we want you to do that we want all of the people that are alone working out there that haven't got access to a computer because they're out and about in bands phone each other more make sure every day you phone each other and chat to each other help each other out um yeah and it's a it's a really nice it, it, i think from a lot of companies that is the attitude it has been really flexible really genuinely worrying about people's mental Ill, uh, mental health and mental well-being and uh doing anything we can to get that connectivity back with people oh i could say the same uh, I, I certainly haven't really had that experience with work but i don't get into work but um yeah, I haven't really had that experience. But what I have been doing is um, I've been doing a lot of checking in. You know, like when you just yeah. shoot someone a text and just go, you know, just checking in, mate, see if you're all right. So make sure you're, how you're coping with it, all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's just kind of made me aware, much more aware of uh, everyone else, really. Um, yeah, and how long you've left it since you've last contacted people. Yeah. I've texted a couple of people recently, and I was like, in my head, it was after Christmas that I last texted them. And yeah. I looked at it, and it was August last year, and I was like, how have I let that happen? Yeah, how that's, have I... That's someone that means a lot to me. How have I let that go that far? What I quite like, though, is quite often, say, if you... If you um, it's always like, oh, when are we going to go out? Um, like I will have to go out for a drink and and then you get the like logistics comes into play yeah. it comes like oh it's going to be like it's hard work whereas because we can't go out you can yeah. ring someone and go how are you doing you know like yeah. it's not there's not going to be then another bind of like oh when we're going to meet up and then it's like yeah. oh it's a nightmare you live in fucking god knows I would do something in June yeah so yeah. it is it's just like I just want to see you all right. I care about you, you know? Uh, and that's really, really nice, I think. Um, I think we are, we've nearly done an hour, Dave. I, I'm just <laughs> conscious that I want to get in um, to talk about mates generally um, because we haven't really done that yet. Um, okay. If there's anyone listening, they know what mates is, where to go, okay. what it's all about. If you so, I set mates up two and a half years ago. I uh, just want somewhere where people can just go and chat to people that understand and are in a similar position um, about how people are feeling. Um, it doesn't have to be just someone who has a mental ill health, uh, mental health issue it doesn't have to be someone that has had one it's if you've got an interest in mental health it might be that you want to learn a bit more because you want to help your partner or something like that but it's a chat room on facebook private group is the main thing and it's uh we've now got 1200 people in the community in there um, and the good thing is the interaction, we look at the, I look at the stats each month and it just takes into account how many people have commented on each other's posts and things like that. And every month we always have like around a 90% interaction, which for that size of community, yeah. it's not one of those like, oh, I've started a cake website. Can you all like my page? Because you can't go like, 
oh, cite the mental health page. Can you, all of you that have got no interest in mental health, can you all join it, please? Because I just want it to be popular. You know, it's not like that. We want people in there that are going to benefit from speaking to other people um, about things. And it, it really does help. It's down to, like, you know, medicine. Oh, I've just, my doctor's put me on this. I feel a bit like this. Does anyone else have any experience with this? And it's tapping into 1,200 people that a lot of them are going to understand how you feel and, and uh, in a similar situation and really boost each other. Exactly what you're saying about texting each other. Mm. Um, yeah, and that community is from 57 different countries as of last month. As it really? We do, yes, man, we do... Uh, walks so we started out with, with we went virtual with a walk straight away so all we did was have it on zoom uh, have a private zoom meeting room and then just say for your one hour of exercise today uh, if you do it at this time walk outside where you live and come into the zoom room and we all just have our earphones on walk around chatting on there like we were walking around together in the park so we did that from the first week of the lockdown last couple of weeks when it's been released slightly the uh, restrictions um and we can meet one other person from a different household we started doing one-to-one -one walks instead so we have um we get people to say oh i'm, I'm i want to come and have a chat on sunday and if there's seven people we give them sort of a slot between uh different ambassadors and we just go for a one-to-one -one walk and that's been really good because people have been really opening up a lot more because it's just me and them or Matt and them or whoever, Lawrence. And uh, so next week we go back to, we can now meet five people per, because you know, in the maximum of six people at the moment. Uh, so we can now meet five people with one ambassador between them. Uh, we've got new walks starting again in, so that's Chelmsford at the moment, but we've got new walks starting in Colchester. We have New Zealand. We have Greece once I'm back out there. Um, we have, we might have one in Wickford starting soon. Ipswich, um, I'm launching it this week, but we've just had a tie-in up there with Ipswich Roundtable. And uh, they want to get involved with us as well. So we've got three people from Ipswich Roundtable. We've got Mark, who already is the ambassador up there and does walks up there, and someone else from the community called Tom. So we've got a great big group starting off in Ipswich with mates doing uh, drop-ins and things like that. That'll all kick in soon. Um, what else we've got? The football club has just gone mad. So we started this different football club. There's a lot of mental health, which are all great, a lot of mental health football clubs. But last year we started one that we're a bit different. We go round to different uh, local football clubs and say, do you want us to give you and your team a mental health awareness presentation about mental health in football? How having an injury and, you know, imagine you with your, your guitar, for example, yeah. if you've done something with your wrist and couldn't play a guitar anymore, if you're in a band, yeah. imagine like what that's gonna, you've worked so hard to do that. And that's what you get with injuries. <laughs> And looking into that was, uh, it was really, really interesting to see the stats for, it, it's horrible. You know, it's a really bad place for mental health, the football world. Yeah. It's absolutely getting better, um, but there's still a lot to do. So Mates FC 
we go around different football clubs. We do mates presentations for yeah, mental health awareness in football. That. That's brilliant. And then the club get a little mates badge on their football kit as well. Just sort of say now we're there. We go and see their football games and we're there for them to chat to. We want to build up a relationship with the players. Separately, I then started a real football club, which is still part. So I put it under the umbrella of Mates FC. Yeah. And we had our first uh, tournament in October last year. But what I want is that pressure. If you think depression, for example, sorry, just got blown nose. <laughs> Hay fever. If you think depression and the thing about socialising, yeah? yeah. Oh, I said I'll go out on Saturday. I don't want to go out on Saturday. How am I going to get out of this? How am I, you know? And then I've got no oomph to do it. Again, imagine. Being in a football team, you've got to come to football training on Thursday. Uh, football's been your life. Football, you want to do everything. You want to, it's your passion. You're living and breathing it. You don't want to go to football training. It's, a, it's pissing down. It's a horrible winter night. You've got to. Then it comes to playing the game. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go out of the house. Well, if you don't come and play, you're going to lose the, you, you can't be in the team anymore. Yeah. Then you lose the team then you lose that community and that community is your friends group that you are there to support you, but you've lost them. So we've done a slightly different thing with how we play football. There's a lot of mental health um, teams and we was offered the place, a place in a mental health league, which was being set up, but it, I don't want that connection. I don't want that pressure on people. I want come and play for us. It's play as you go. We're going to get loads of matches in. We've got a massive list already of teams that we're, we just need the green light to uh, when we can start playing football again. And uh, we've got, uh, yeah, it's play as you go. So here's the dates that our football games are. If you want to come play for us, put your name in there. Lovely. On the day, if you don't feel like it, don't go. We just take more, you know, instead of only having five subs, I'm I'm steering away from being tied down to things by choosing who we play yeah. and play more friendly so we don't have as many restrictions. But I want, if on that day you feel you can play football, you come and play football and I can't wait to see people smiling because they haven't got the pressure of having to be, yeah. you know, that no one's forcing them. If you want to play one game, play one game. If you want to play every game, play every game. If you want to dip in and out, do what you want. But here is our team for you we want you in it and we're so proud that you just to see someone get back in the swing of it i can't wait i really can't wait so we've got real foot a real football kit um but i've gone a bit mad with it and we've got enough to do two full teams um or five six or seven aside teams in one go so we've got loads of kit We've got, we've got so much flexibility about what we are. And during Mental Health Awareness Week, there was uh, a load of footballers putting some amazing, uh, their experiences out there. Yeah. I contacted one of them and we had a bit of a chat and he agreed to be our patron. So his name's Luke Chadwick. He used to play for Man U, West Ham, uh, things like that. So premiership clubs. And he's agreed to be our patron for Mates FC. Um, so yeah, that's fantastic. So we've got that. We're also signed up to Calm. They've got a football collective. Um, so it's one of their, one of their things that they, they're involved in. 
So all of our kits have got Calm's Football Collective badge on. We're part of them. And yeah, we're just getting our name out there, getting it out there that you can either play for us or can we come around and educate your football club, educate your lads about how to look after themselves. That's I can't wait. Like it's, yeah, the fact that you're also going out there and saying, look, this is it's okay, people have this. If you feel like that, you can talk. You know, like you're actually going out and doing the education bit as well, which I didn't realise you did. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I that, you're really proactive, wouldn't you? You're really kind of get out and do it. And I really love that. I, and one thing that kind of comes back to me is that last time when you were on here, um, it's you've not had any significant mental health problems yourself, have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And um, yeah. no, my brain ticks over too quickly for it. It doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's filled up with ideas. That in itself is quite an amazing thing because um, you know most people's motivations are that they've experienced it. They know what it's like, and to see you're so motivated and so proactive in it, um, and that's not necessarily the case with you. It just makes what you do doubly cool. If you, I just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can as a society to help people and that's it. it you know that i genuinely mean that with a football thing like imagine you were teaching someone guitar um and it, you're watching their first concert and you know they'd come true or yeah, yeah. You know, like how hard like your kids for example mm. how hard they've worked for this year and that's the thing with the football. There's a lot of mental health football clubs out there and I can't wait to get involved with them and play against them. But with a lot of league football and professional things like that, you are sort of restricted to how many, uh, about your flexibility. So yeah. we're likely to get affiliated with a local, or like with Essex FA probably at the moment. We're just looking at that. Um, we're working, we've had a great meeting with them. Um, they're really interested in what we're doing. Um, but I just want to keep that. I don't want too many restrictions there. I want that flexibility. So five subs, that's fine. You know, if we put a full team out and we've got five subs, that's fine. It just, um, but then when it comes down to just doing our seven asides or friendlies against offices or other local teams, um, we do what we want. We can have 20 subs if we want 20 subs. Yeah. But we've got so much capacity up. I've really gone in big and hard on this because I want I want to hoover everything up. I want to get everyone involved and I can't wait. I can't wait to see people's faces when their their passion is back and their passion might already be back after you know going through about a depression where you've had to give up football. Now that passion might be back and you might have your depression under control. But you've not, you still don't want that pressure of a real, a proper football team with proper restrictions. This is a real football team, but it's people that care about each other. I don't give a shit about goals. I don't give a shit about where we, what we do, what we come out of. I want people smiling and happy. I want yeah. to, I want someone to go home that day and go, I play football again. I can't wait. I really, yeah, can't wait. yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, taking that pressure out. Like so many people don't do things because of the, you know, it's a, it's a commitment. And I know, yeah. um, like from my own point of view, it's like committing to things can be quite difficult for me. Yeah. Because of that, because I know, like, well, not so much now, but in the past, I could quite easily dip. 
So I didn't like to commit to things. Um, so we're taking that pressure out is a really good yeah. idea. Right? And to me, that's that's the difference. That's that's our unique selling point, if you like. Yeah. That we've you know, Calm are really they love what we're doing. We're going to be. We had a meeting plan with them already. We're, we've been speaking to their football lot, but we had a meeting planned with their like top lot to discuss moving forward. You know, using us and using mates as a testing ground for other things for calm because yeah. we're very flexible. And what I've been really happy with during the lockdown, I contacted Samaritans, Heads Together, Calm Mind, everyone I could, um, Time to Change, every local um, Essex NHS Mental Health Trust, um, all of those sort of things, and just said, Look, we're actually in a position at the moment where you can't do your face-to-face -face things, for example. Um, if you need somewhere to, you know, signpost people to, our online community is working really well. We've got these lots of online stuff going on. Um, feel free to, we'll do anything we can to help you. And that's been, you know, seeing all the mental health charities and companies come together through this lockdown to help each other out has been great. But we've actually been very fortunate that the majority of our staff can continue as it was. So we've reached out to Calm and reached out to everyone and said, look, if you need a hand, here we are. Um, we've got capacity for, for send people over. Yeah, so, yeah, all been good. Well, I'm going to have to wrap up, mate. I'll just come and live with you. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can. We can um, like compare tattoos. I love your skull one. It's like a rockabilly skull, isn't it? With a uh, David Bowie flash. Yeah, that killed, like that. that killed Bowie. That one. Yeah, I love that. Everyone always, always, everyone goes, "Oh, it's nice." After Bowie died, I was like, "I had it about two weeks before he died. I think <laughs> yeah. I might have killed him." And then, like, I killed Michael Jackson because I got a Michael Jackson bad one there. Oh, yeah. And then, like, bought some tickets to his concert and he died. <laughs> When's your gig? When's your gig? Not for a while, yeah, a while. Thank you ever so much, Dave. That was really, hey, thank really you for Thank you. Take care.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 